0: Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby-Vrinlin, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the current jerkers. And of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC Fight Cards. This weekend is UFC Fight Island 6, Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie in an exciting featherweight tilt that could decide the next title challenger. And, and the really cool thing about this is the whole main card has got some exciting fighters on it. But, as you guys know who frequent the show, we are going to be breaking down the prelim portion of that card only. Now, for those of you who might be new to this show, might be wondering, why just the prelims? As you just said, the the main card is so exciting, Gumby. Well, the answer is really simple. The answer is you know some of those main card fighters, especially the ones way at the top. And you might not know a lot about these guys in the prelims. And that's where we think there is lots of money to be made in both daily fantasy sports and when you're gambling. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find AJ at AJ's Action That link is in the show notes for you guys. And unlike those other companies who offer gambling advice, AJ is not just a list of fighters or teams to put money down on each week. Instead, he provides his customers with not only his picks, but also an education so that you can use that for years to come. He does it through in depth breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox. For both gambling and drafting, so whatever you prefer, he's got you handled in both realms. And essentially, he gives you all the tips and know-how so that you can make the informed decisions yourself and maximize that profit. Of course, you don't just have to take my word for it. You can check out all of his extensive record past breakdowns and customer successes at Sportsbets.com. That link is in the show notes. Or, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at AJ's MMA Betting because you won't be sorry that you did. Now, of course, in order for me to break down these prelim fights, I have to be joined by a co-host. Joining me yet again is a show favorite, Kristen King from Bloody Elbow. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Happy to be back with another interesting fight card.
0: Absolutely. So, as you guys know, we're going to start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Metruz Gamro versus Guram Kutataladze. So, Gamro... 17-0 17-0 making his UFC debut. He does have a no contest in there as well. You might know him as the KSW 155-pound champ. He last fought back in August. Kutat meanwhile, is 11-2 making his debut. He won all the way back in November for Brave CF over Felipe Silva in just 44 seconds. So two really impressive debuts. But what's interesting to me here, too, is Gamrot. D- does not necessarily have the hype coming in, despite the fact he's got an amazing record titles. He's fought Norman park three times. W- what do you think is the thing that is going to get him the farthest in this division? Or are you also not buying
1: the hype? Oh no, I'm definitely behind the hype with Gamrot. I think that um, coming from a different promotion, you always should have this kind of like this kind of luster behind you. And I think Gamrot certainly has it. I mean, the record speaks for itself. He's certainly a very dynamic fighter, Um, And I don't know why it doesn't click with people or resonate with people right off the bat when these guys come in from other promotions. I don't know if it's like uh, the UFC is the only best promotion out there and that we don't take the other ones seriously. I don't know if it's that kind of mindset. But Gamrod is that kind of guy that you can't really sleep on. I mean, he can strike or he can take you down and search for submission. I mean, he's been in multiple championship fights, so I know he can last for a very long time in a fight. So, I mean, he has all the steps or all the check marks to be a star in the UFC, it's just it it takes some time for people to really get used to him because there's not a lot of access uh, to his kinds of fights as far as if you want to watch him fight, I think it was under KSW. You have to wake up super early in the morning to do that, and a lot of people are not willing to do that. So I don't know. A lot of people should get on this hype train. I'm pretty excited to see him make his debut. I thought he had an interesting matchup before the uh, Kutatiladze fight was made. He was supposed to fight... uh, was it Mustafaev, I believe?
0: Yeah, Mega Man Mustafaev.
1: Yeah, he was gonna have one hell of a debut with that one, but I think this is an equally interesting matchup. It's certainly not the kind of matchup that is the Mustafaev one, but I think we're gonna see a good showing from Gamrock.
0: Yeah, and and I think you're 100% right about the the fact that the the time difference seems to throw it off, because people are big on Michael Chandler, right? We're we're talking about him (laughs) possibly fighting for the title. They're guys in the same division, and G- Gamera might have a better run going than, than Michael Chandler right now. I mean, he knocked out Benson Henderson, but a, a very old Benson yeah. Henderson. Um, but the interesting thing in this one to me too is you, you know you mentioned the wrestling. Do Do you think that that's the thing he leans on against Cuitlalté?
1: I mean, I would imagine that it is just because I think Kutatulate definitely has the striking to match. But the thing is. A lot of his finishes have come in the first and the second rounds. I don't see that happening here. I don't think that Gamrot is going to be around just so you can hit him, essentially. Gamrot knows exactly what he needs to do. He definitely has a striking, but if worse comes to worse, he has his wrestling to rely on, which he is very, very good on. So I can see him striking for a little bit and then immediately going for a takedown. I don't know if Kouta Taladze is going to have enough to stop the takedown or do anything to get up. So that's why I'm leaning more towards Gamrot in this fight.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Gamrot too. How do you got him in how, uh, maybe what round do you got him in?
1: You know what? I'm just going to play it safe and say unanimous decision. He can always do the lay and pray if he wanted to, and that'll be a smooth decision for him. So I'm going to say Gamrot by unanimous decision.
0: And I'm going to go the exact same way too. I think Kutat is a little too tough to get out of there for him. And that brings us to Julian Robertson versus Poliano Botelio. Robertson three and one in her last four all three of those being finishes most recently she submitted Courtney Casey back in June Botelio is also three and one in her last four she last won a decision over Lauren Muller back in April of 2019 so a little bit of a layoff for her I got to imagine that that Jillian Robertson wants this on the mat as soon as possible recently getting her black belt from Dean Thomas do you think she gets it there quick enough and do you think she gets it done on the mat
1: I think so. I'm actually very high on Jillian Robertson, and I mean, uh, her work speaks for itself. You know, this is obviously your typical striker versus grappler matchup, and obviously Robertson is more than likely going to favor her grappling, whereas Botello is going to favor her striking, which is excellent. However, I will say, they share opposite holes in their game, and and what I mean by that is that the most recent loss for Botello is the one against. Cynthia Calvillo who is somewhat of a submission specialist herself so it's easy to say that she's going to struggle against someone like Robertson who I believe is actually a little bit better than Calvillo on the ground and then you have Robertson whose most recent loss came against a striker in Macy Barber so again it's easy to say she's going to struggle with someone like Botello, who's known for her punches who's known for her striking so I think that because Botello has been out for a very long time And the fact that she has struggled against grapplers in the past, I could see Robertson easily getting this fight to the mat and immediately searching for a submission. I mean, no one really wants to go on the ground with Jillian Robertson because you know exactly what's going to happen. So can I do I think she's going to get on the ground? Absolutely. Could a submission arise? Absolutely. Boteo has struggled before and I can see Jillian Robertson because she has been way more active and she's just so damn good on the ground. She can definitely pick up a submission here.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you you know, you know mentioned the Macy Barber fight. I think that is an important one. But the thing for me that made it so hard for Jillian Robertson was the physicality of Macy Barber. Macy Barber mm-hmm. is so freaking strong. Just was It was hard for Jillian Robertson to get anywhere in the grappling exchanges for that reason. She was muscling out of a lot of things. So for that reason, I, I think she gets Botelio down pretty quickly too. And I, I'm going to take her here by early uh, rear naked choke. How about you?
1: Mine is going to be a uh, submission in the first round
0: for Robertson. All right. And that's going to do it for the very first round. We'll be right back with round number two. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's action That link is in the show notes for you guys. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you when he sends you his information is it's not just picks, but he also sends you pros and cons for each of the matchups on the card. Plus, he sends you some thoughts on DraftKings matchups, things that you probably wouldn't even think about. Things like how often some fighters are going to be owned versus other fighters, which is so helpful when you're trying to hit those huge jackpots on DraftKings. Okay, I personally was getting ready for a card recently. Boom, he hits me with all of this information in my inbox, completely changed the way I played, and let me tell you something, took home a big chunk of change. So I suggest you get in on that chunk of change at AJ's SportsBets.com. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Claudio Silva versus James Krause. So Claudio Silva, 5-0 and in the UFC. However, it took him six years to compile those five wins. One of those wins in there is actually over Leon Edwards, although it was like six years ago by now. But he has put together a recent run where he's won three in a row in the last couple of years, including a rear naked choke back in August. Kraus, meanwhile, had a four fight win streak. It got snapped by a very controversial split decision to Trevin Giles back in February. So obviously the thing here is that like this, the layoff, what does that mean for Claudio Silva? Is he still that kind of fighter? But also here's the question I'm most curious about. Do you think he can get inside and close the distance on somebody like James Kraus? who is so long and fights so long?
1: Yeah, that was my main question as well. I'm just like, you know what, Claudio Silva, as hard as it is to kind of get him into the cage because his appearances have been so sporadic, when I look at the people that he's already beaten, I mean, they don't really turn heads. So the fact that he got outside of Leon Edwards, obviously, but as you mentioned, that was like six years ago. We're not talking about Leon Edwards right now. Uh, But to get someone like, James Krause, who is super well versed in his grappling as well, I think a lot of people they may look at the most recent fights from James Krause and they think, man, this guy's a firecracker he can strike, he can knock you out no matter what. Uh, that's absolutely, absolutely true. But keep in mind, most of his career wins have come by way of submission so even if claudio was to somehow close the distance i don't think it's going to be a, like a cakewalk as if most people are suggesting just because he does so well on the ground i think it's going to be very hard to get on the inside of james kraus who as you mentioned is super long and definitely has that snap at the end of his punches that could be enough to throw any kind of attempt from claudio i wouldn't want to stand up with the guy and then i have to imagine that claudio's thinking man this guy is really good on the ground the scrambles are probably going to be crazy so i just don't know what possible way Claudio Silva can win this fight
0: I mean I think he has to probably follow the same path as like Warley Alves and Sergio Marías. were both on those paths right like they yes. both scored takedowns against James Kraus they're both you know not to keep drawing this comparison they're both big Brazilian guys who like submissions and and, and they both like drew that game plan to go after Kraus that way but you know you sort of outlined it perfectly like play really great jujitsu defense, which is what Kraus did, stuff the last couple of takedown attempts, and then lay it on him with the strikes. And that's what he did with both Marias and Alves, and he knocked both of those out. My question is, is I just am wondering whether or not Silvos Grappling is just a little bit better than Marias or Alves. You know, like, if, if you look yeah. at his record, you're, you're right. He, he, You know, the name's not super impressive. He beat Cole Williams. You know, are we impressed with Cole Williams? Maybe not necessarily. He beat Danny Roberts. Yeah, again, not not necessarily there. Nordine Taleb, a little bit better of a win there. But the thing for me is that all of them are submissions, right? He is not eking by these guys. He's putting them away. So... I'm wondering if the at least the MMA grappling is better for Claudio Silva, and it definitely makes it that really tough fight to call. So I am going to ask you to call it. Who do you got in this one, and how do you got him?
1: I'm going to say Krause by unanimous decision. I, I don't want to give too much credit because I don't want to take away from Claudio Silva, but it's always of a concern when you are a specialist and you have nothing else to add on to your repertoire. So if you're just going to rely on your submission game with James Krause, I don't think that's enough to get you there and into and, and, and the win.
0: Yeah, and I'm actually, ugh, I hate this, but I'm going to disagree with you because I love James Krause, but I am going to take Claudio Silva in this one by submission. I just think he's got those sub-skills that are a little bit better than Marias, a little bit better than Alves, and he's willing to sort of sell out for him. Uh, and that brings us to our next fight, which is Junyoung Park versus John Phillips. Park, 1-1 in the UFC after losing to Anthony Hernandez by an Anaconda choke in his debut. He went out in decision. Marc-Andre Britt Barrio. Phillips, meanwhile, 1-4 in his last five. He KO'd Alan Almondovsky for his only win after losing three straight. And then he was most recently, notably, a Kamzat Chimeyev victim. So... Uh, obviously, Chime have exposed that Phillips' ground game is not good, but we've always known that, right? Phillips is a terrible defensive grappler, really bad. Is that the path you see Park here following?
1: 1,000%. As you just said, we have seen the game plan time and time again from John Phillips. He's a great fighter. He definitely has the knockout power behind him, but I think, like I alluded to with the uh, Claudio Silva thing, you have that one thing that can be possibly change the trajectory of the fight and if you can't get it done then what do you do so John Phillips has this one punch knockout knockout power which of course if you're gonna come at me and I'm you're wide open John Phillips is gonna take that shot no matter what but Jim Young Park I don't think he's gonna be uh, like pulled into a striking battle with John Phillips I don't think he's gonna do that he's absolutely gonna take this fight to the ground and that's all he needs to do avoid that one shot that Phillips has and make sure you get it out of the way early because Phillips, he just finished his last fight in what, 17 seconds? You definitely don't want to get clipped early. Avoid that and just get it to the ground. A submission will more than likely uh, pop up and I think Park has enough tools to snatch up a submission. I mean, the last two of uh, Phillips' three losses were against like rear naked choke, you know, one of the most common chokes. So I I just don't see this being like a... A back and forth battle or anything like that i fully expect park to just take the easy route get the fight to the ground where you know your opponent is struggling and submit it and i think at that point phillips is probably not going to be in the ufc much longer
0: yeah i kind of agree with you on that one i'm going to take park here as well i'm going to take him by submission in the first look in addition to like you know like you said he, he's got adequate wrestling which is pretty much all you need He's also got good sub skills. He subbed Ray Cooper, the third, which is a, a notable PFL opponent. Um, and it, if you look back at his record, you know, he's got good top game too. So yeah, I agree with you on this one. I'm going sub kind of early and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, just listen to what subscribers are saying about AJ's action Pack sports bets.com. This is, Comes from reviewer George, who is a subscriber. George says he's been following AJ for several months and he's ultra impressive. But honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons he follows. His breakdowns and understanding of matchups is what impressed George the most. It can be hard to separate out your emotions and favorite fighters in this game. But AJ seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and without letting emotions get in the way, he comes highly recommended in my book. That's, of course, George's words, but you can take my words. He comes highly recommended in my book as well. So check him out at Sportsbets.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jamie Malarkey versus Ferris Zaim. Malarkey, 0-1 in the UFC with a decision loss to Brad Riddell. That was a fight of the night performance last October. Zaim 0-1 in the UFC. He lost by decision to Don Madge. That was also all the way last year, way back in September. So obviously both guys lose their debuts. They both lose to kind of, you know, up-and-comers and real studs of the 155-pound division. Which of them did you see more bright spots in, albeit a whole year ago at this point?
1: You know, probably Malarkey, only because he had so much hype behind him. And I think that although he had quite the showing against Brad Riddle, even though he was pretty dominated in that fight, I think that he just has more tools to access in order to have a more successful career. And that's not to uh, make light of ZM in any way. I just feel like with Malarkey, he can definitely work on his striking. We saw a little bit of that in the Riddle fight. It obviously didn't go that well for him, but he also has his wrestling to fall back on, and we didn't really get to see too much of that in the Riddle fight. I believe he did try and take it down um, a few times, maybe early on in the fight, but the thing about Brad Riddle is, if you don't get it, you're not going to. So he could not get the takedown, and uh, I think that was unfortunate because most of the people know Malarkey as that kind of takedown specialist. So I I think he'll be able to uh, show off that kind of side of his fighting in this fight Against Farzziam, and and I'm excited to see what he gets to do because I think the first time we saw him, it was just an absolute bloodbath, and I don't think that that's typically what he's used to. So
0: yeah, I I agree with you entirely. I think he got kind of got sucked into Brad Riddle's fight there. And and the thing is too is Brad is much better at that type of fight that than Malarkey is. So like to get sucked into that kind of fight and to not use the thing that you're probably the most dominant at. It was never going to go well for him. So I, I like him here. I, I think he wins this one. How do you see him winning this one?
1: Yeah, I'm going to say he wins this one by unanimous decision. I think he does definitely control um, Ziam on the ground. Ziam has had problems on the ground before. I think even in the Don Madge fight, which was his UFC debut, he had some issues. And a lot of people did not expect that because Don Madge is not typically a striker, a grappler. He's more so of a striker. So the fact that he kind of faltered at that makes me believe that Malarkey is probably going to target that area and pick up a win by unanimous decision.
0: I, I like that too. I'm going to take him by TKO though. I think maybe he gets it done with the grounded pound here. And that'll take us to our second fight, which is Gadza Murad, Antigulov versus Maxim Grishin. Antigulov has lost three straight in the UFC to Ian Kudalaba, Michael Oleshejak, and Paul Craig, all of those in the first round, and for some reason we still are seeing him fight again. He's fighting Maxim Grishin, who took a short notice fight all the way up at heavyweight against Marcin Tibera, Lost that by decision back in July. So, you know, obviously Maxim Grishin didn't look great fighting off the grappling of Marcin Tibera, But obviously, you know, Tibera is huge and a big grappler too. Do you see that as a weakness here that Antigulov might be able to exploit? Or are you totally writing that off as a light heavyweight fighting a heavyweight?
1: That's exactly what I'm writing it off as. I was beyond excited to see Maxim Grisham get his second shot in the UFC and then to have it at the light heavyweight division, which I understand no fighter wants to not take the opportunity to fight in the UFC. But I was like, damn it, heavyweight against Marcin Tibera, it's not going to work. And obviously it didn't. The fact that he was basically controlled by Marcin Tabira as a bigger, stronger guy at heavyweight in the wrestling, obviously a point of concern, but against Antigulov, no. No, 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 <laughs> Definitely no concern here. I, I think what happens is Antigulov will try and go for a takedown early on, but I think Grishin is smart enough to kind of avoid that. And the fact that Antigulov has been knocked out three straight times I mean, come on, Grishan, we know this guy from PFL. We know what kind of power he has in his hand. I think his record, he has like 18 KOs on his record. You don't think he's going to notch up another one, especially against someone like Antigulov, who is more than likely on his way out of the UFC if he does indeed get knocked out again. So expect to see that happen on Saturday night. He's going to avoid the takedown from Antigulov early on and immediately put him away. I mean, that's the only way this fight is going to happen, really.
0: Yeah, and I I see a first round knockout here too. And the other thing I will point out too, for those of you who are not familiar with Grishan and PFL, he did stuff a bunch of takedowns from Jordan Johnson, who is a hell of a takedown artist. So the fact that he stuffed some of those gives me loads of confidence against a guy like Antigulov. I'm taking him by first round knockout as well. And that brings us to our last fight, which is said Nurmega Medov versus Mark Strigel. So Nurmega Medov, 2-1 in the UFC. He beat Justin Scoggins and Ricardo Ramos before dropping a decision to Realny Barcelos. Strigel making his UFC debut. He's 8 and in 2. He last fought in April of 2019, so a pretty big layoff. It ended in a no contest due to a groin shot. He he does have some pretty big wins on his record. He fought in 1FC. He submitted Kaikara France, although that was, again, six years ago. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. My question here is Nurmagomedov shoots a lot of takedowns. And and he hasn't necessarily been all that successful in the UFC so far. Is that even something he should be looking for against Streigel? Or should he be turning this into a kickboxing match?
1: You know what? I think he should definitely turn it into a kickboxing match. I mean, immediately jumping off the page when you look at Striegel is obviously the amount of submission he has. All of his career wins have come by submission, which is an insane statistic. I don't think we've ever had a fighter just have this specific type of way of winning. You know what I mean? So it's just like... I think if Medov wants to really make this a good fight, yeah, absolutely, make it into a kickboxing fight. Personally, I think Medov has good enough takedown defense to kind of stop whatever Striegel will do. And if he keeps it standing, I think that's going to be a problem. I don't think that we've really seen a, t- uh, a test as far as Striegel's striking goes because we've just seen him so often on the ground. I think Medov is a far better striker than Striegel. So if he really wants to make things interesting, keep the fight on the ground, I mean, on, standing. And if he ends up on the ground I think he can kind of hold his own I mean I think the scrambles will be nice on that if it does get to that point but Medov should definitely keep this standing I think he has more ways to win than Striegel and if Striegel doesn't get a submission I think this might be a long three round fight for him
0: yeah I totally agree with you in that I think he should keep it standing but here's my worry about Nurmagomedov is that in that Barcelos fight he did look like he faded a little bit towards the end he looked a little bit tired he is going to be in there with a very muscly, physically strong opponent who likes to grind. You know, not that Barcelos isn't that guy, too, because Barcelos is that kind of guy, but I could definitely see Strigel following in on that path of, of being a guy who likes to shoot lots of takedowns, likes to grind you against the cage, likes to tire you out. And if that winds up in the late rounds, it could be potentially damaging there for Nurmagomedov Metoff and, and potentially dangerous, because like you said, It doesn't take much for him to get a choke. So, I'll be interested to see whether or not Nurmagomedov is able to last. It sounds like you're going with him. How do you like him in this fight?
1: I'm going to say Nurmagomedov by decision. That's probably the safest pick you can take in this fight. Because the could with the Striegel is just that. It's a very big could. I don't know if I can just sell myself on Striegel just yet.
0: Yeah, I definitely can't, like, I I can't full -on on say that, like, I'm in on Striegel being that, like, I think... You know, no matter what, he, he is my pick. But if you look at the fact that I, I just glance at the odds, he's like a plus 400 underdog. If I was gambling, I would definitely take Mark Striegel here because I think he's definitely got a chance to finish. But, you know, gun to my head, I need to make a pick to save my life. I'm taking Megamet off here, like you said, by decision. And that's going to do it with all seven of our fights on this prelim card. It's a pretty exciting one with a couple of debuts we've really been anticipating. So we hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown and learned a little bit. Once again, I want to thank my co-host, Kristen King from Bloody Elbow. Kristen, thanks so much for the time.
1: Thanks so much for having me.